Given my love of games, there was really no way in hindsight that we wouldn't feature games on the Rule Breaker Investing podcast. And indeed, for instance, one of my more popular clicks each year with this podcast is our Games, Games, Games episode, where I pick, of all the geeky things in the world, some of my recent favorite board games for you to take a look at to play with friends and family. Yes, stock market investors and people of all nations, you repeatedly let me know that Games, Games, Games is an annual highlight. Well, there's another game we focus on even more frequently on the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast, and that would be the Market Cap Game Show. We play it only four times a year. Not nearly enough, I always feel. And yet, like Halloween or Easter, they're even more special in that they come around infrequently regularly, but rarely. Well, so too the Market Cap Game Show. And what I love about it is we play this game for you. We've devised the whole thing so that you can play along at home, learn from our contestants, play with friends and family members, maybe even beat us all at our own game. And this time, for the first time ever, thanks to a listener's suggestion, we have a new rule. We have revised the game. We have made it smarter which I know will make you happier, and I hope at least a little richer, too. So fasten your seatbelt, buckle up, and get ready for the first Market Cap Game Show of the year, only on Rule Breaker Investing. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. And welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. Yes, as I mentioned right at the top, it is the Market Cap Game Show and in a new form because we got a wonderful note written to us. I featured it two mailbags ago. In fact, it was the January mailbag of this year. And I want to throw a shout out again to Adam Nelson. Adam, you took the time to suggest an improvement to the Market Cap Game Show and we'll be using it this first new iteration of it. You said it's similar to the old card game AC Ducey. You said, why not have the guesser have the ability to state a range of market caps and then the opponent, i.e. you and me and all of us playing at home, after hearing that range of market caps, we just say inside that range or outside that range. Now, let me back up a quick second and remind us that the market cap of every company is basically the price tag that the market has given that company. So it's a way to understand the overall value of a company. You take the company's share price and multiply it by all of its shares outstanding, and that gives you the market cap. And for years now, we've played a game where my guesser will state their guest market cap, and you and I would say higher or lower. But Adam Nelson has given us a smarter way to do this, said, why not have the guesser state a range of market caps, kind of a strategic gamer's choice, and then the rest of us sitting back say inside or outside that range. And that's what we'll be doing this week. And before we get right into it with my special guests, Rick Munares and Tim Byers, I do want to mention next week's podcast. Of course, the final Wednesday of the month is the Rule Breaker Investing Mailbag. RBI at fool.com is our email address. Already got some great stuff in the mailbag, but looking for more and more great stuff in the days ahead. So if you found yourself moved by the telling of their stories, Volume 1, Emily Flippin and Rick Munares a couple of weeks ago, or my 300th podcast, an audio essay entitled 300 last week, or we did a review of Palooza earlier this month, five more stocks to feed the next bear, five stocks the world needs right now, or this week's podcast. If you have thoughts, questions, anything you'd like to share, again, our mailbag is next week, 
Email us ahead of time, rbi at fool.com. Of course, at RBI Podcast on Twitter. And now, let's play a game. All right, let's get into it with two of my longest-time analysts, two of my best friends of The Motley Fool, the aforementioned Rick Vinares and Tim Byers. I have flipped a coin, and Rick, I'm turning to you first with stock number one. Now, before we get into it, Rick, would you briefly introduce yourself with your name, how long you've been at The Fool, what you do here, and one consumer product or service that you have enjoyed, an experience you've enjoyed at some point in the last year? Sure. Uh, Rick Menars or Rick Aristotle Menars, if you go by bylines. Uh, and I've been with The Fool uh, for 20, this will be my 26th year. I've been there since 1995. So pretty much almost the early days. Um, and I do work uh, with, with Motley Fool Rule Breakers. I, I also work at Motley Fool uh, Starshot 2019 and the Supernova uh, Phoenix 2 portfolio. And I do a lot of writing on the fool.com editorial side. So I, 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 I sprinkle myself a little bit of everywhere. Uh, Consumer experience uh, that that I've enjoyed over the past year, I will say, and again, this is a pretty big deal, uh, but it's not a big deal. It's it's a big, you know, big ticket item. But um, I did buy a Tesla last month, uh, and it was the kind of thing where, and I know it's 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 you can't call Tesla a consumer discretionary item or something, uh, but it was something that I've always admired, and and I've never ridden in a Tesla. I mean, I know friends that had Tesla. I never wanted to ask to take me in it. I was never that kind of a. Uh, you know, weird about it. Uh, but sure enough, I test drove it back in, in uh, January uh, and it, it was everything that I thought and more. And I was just so happy to get my Model Y. Basically, two weeks later, uh, it's the one car that you can get fairly quickly. Uh, the Model 3 is a little delayed right now. Uh, and obviously, the other one's far more. But yeah, definitely, it was just such a great experience. Just to, it's so different after all these gas cars uh, that I've been driving. Everything, the technology, everything is just so different with a Tesla. Uh, so very happy to gifts myself a Tesla out of the pandemic. Wonderful, Rick. Well, thank you for sharing that. And also, thank you for sharing yourself with us, telling your story two weeks ago on this podcast. One of our, I think, most popular hit podcasts of the year was Telling Your Story, uh, episode one, featuring Rick and Emily Flippin. So, Rick, thank you for that. Okay, let's get into it. Rick, you probably follow more companies than just about anybody I know. I'll at least say you follow a lot more companies than I do, and I have recommendations actively on over 200 stocks, and those are the ones that we pull from for the Market Cap Game Show. So, boy, do I feel like you really follow the world of business like few people that I personally know. I'm curious, how much time do you spend looking at or thinking about corporate taglines? Corporate taglines. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not a big thing. I mean, I definitely look at companies a lot and I think about companies a lot. Uh, I, I could tell you ticker symbols to, I think, thousands of companies. Let's not play that game. Market cap, I think I'm going to be pretty lousy at this game. So, don't bet money on me. David, I know you're playing me up as if I'm like um, some heavyweight. Uh, I am a felterweight right now in this game. So, I do not promise to be good. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's if you're saying company taglines like their logos and their mantras, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think about it. But I'd, I'd much, you know, I'd, I'd rather dig into their numbers and their fundamentals. And I think that's probably uh, where you should put your attention. Although I am a big fan of what is a company's mission, what is its purpose? Is it stated out there? It may or may not be its ad jingle, but uh, and does it live up to that? And is it is it a corporate mission or purpose that you believe in that you'd like to see grow in the world and into the future? And I know you you like that too. Whether or not you follow 
company taglines. I have to admit, when I saw this company's tagline, I didn't quite know what company it was. So I'm going to try it out on you, Rick, as we talk about company number one here. Science applied to life. Now, when I provide that corporate tagline right off this company's homepage of their website, do you have any sense of what company that would be? I mean, I'm I'm gonna say intuitive surgical, but I know that can't be it. Uh, uh, applied science, applied bioscience. I don't, I don't know. No, I, I can't even guess. It's probably one of Carl Thiel's biotech companies, and I know, and I, I'm way out of my league here. And it's very understandable to think that it would be such a company. And boy, especially in the rule breaker service, we have a lot of life sciences companies. Well, this company is neither in rule breakers nor would most people think of it first in life sciences. So science. Applied to Life is the corporate tagline of ticker symbol MMM, and that would be the 3M Corporation based, of course, in the Twin Cities in Minnesota. This company has been around for a very long time. It's only been around in Motley Fool Stock Advisor for three and a half years now, and I have to say it's been a pretty disappointing three and a half years, Rick. So 3M uh, down 1% from when I picked it in September 2017. The market up 67% over that time. So it's been pretty disappointing. And while we could talk about how much of its business has been threatened by COVID or helped by COVID, and we could talk more deeply about science applied to life, really all I want to know from you, Rick Minar, is, is your best shot at the range of market cap for 3M Corporation, ticker symbol MMM. All right. So, yeah, I'm going to just obviously, well, obviously, we're guessing here. 3M is a company that I don't know that well. I mean, obviously, I'm familiar with the post its and they have an amazing long track record of innovation. I'm going to just say um, 80 billion to 150 billion. All right. We'll lock it down right there. And again, this is true innovation. The first time we've ever played the game this way. So, Rick, you just broke new ground. Now we're going to welcome in your guest star contestant and competitor here, Tim Byers. Tim, great to have you back on the show. Thanks, David. Great to be here. And I know you're already thinking about 3M and asking yourself, is it inside the range of $80 billion to $150 billion or outside that range? But before we get that answer from you, I would love it if you could remind us again of your name, sir, how long you've been at The Fool, what you do at The Fool, and a consumer product or experience that was memorably good for you in the last year. Um, I'm Tim Byers. I've been at The Fool since uh, December of 2003. Uh, like uh, Rick, I was a contractor for most of those years. I came in house in, in 2018, and uh, now I continue to work on rule breakers with you and Rick, uh, uh, David. Uh, I have been on Odyssey Two, helping lead that portfolio, and I'm the lead advisor for our cloud disruptor service, which is in the discovery universe. Uh, so tech has been one of my specialties for a really long period of time, and I I love it. Um, this is an, an, an interesting tech company, but my favorite consumer experience over the last year, I don't know if this is cheating, David, because I could easily say Amazon grocery delivery because that's been kind of awesome. And I think I'm going to continue with that even post pandemic. But honestly, like CBS and watching the Syracuse Orange, my graduate alma mater, go to the Sweet 16. I think that's been my favorite consumer experience. <laughs> very well put and very timely. And uh, and I've, I've enjoyed watching them too. It, it's been a spectacular run. I always love it when a coach is coaching his son. And boy, when he's that accomplished a coach and that accomplished his son, that's an extra special twist. 
Well, thank you, Tim. And again, thank you for all your work. And Rick is making his debut on this Market Cap Game Show. Tim, you're an old hand at this point, having been back a few times. I know you still feel a, a little bit like Maria Gallagher's punch bag after last time, but uh, but we had you back looking a little bruised and bloody, but still resilient and ready to play. So let me now turn to you, Tim Byers, and everybody listening at home and ask you the important question. Tim, Rick specified 3M, $80 billion to $150 billion inside the range or outside the range? I feel like Rick is trying to back me into the paint here. I know he positioned himself as the rookie here, but I'm not buying it. I think Rick's got a real good left-handed hook here. So I'm going outside the range and hopefully I can get the get the rebound here. But we'll we'll see. I, I'm going outside the range. I think it's lower than 80 billion. Well, Rick is pretty cagey, Tim, and Rick kind of nailed it with his range. So I'm happy to say for Rick, and I'm sorry to say for Tim, that it is inside the range. 3M's market cap is $111.05 billion, as I quoted it here today, midday, Tuesday, March 23rd. So a pretty solid guess because, Rick, almost the midpoint from 80 to 150, if my math is right, is right about 115. 115, 115, yeah. Yeah, you threw some wisdom in the crowds out there. Just average it, and you get the truth. So pretty good call. And I have to say, Rick, 3M continues to be a big part of my life because anybody who knows me knows I have lots of different colored Post-it notes all around my desk, everywhere in my life. Too many of them. I really like the product. All right, so it's Rick one, Tim nothing, as we proceed to stock number two. And Tim, we are turning to you, of course, it's funny you recently mentioned this company's name earlier on this very podcast. I'm curious, Tim, when you see a founder of a company leave, often after, of course, many, many years, we're talking about the founders who stay around. What do you make of that? Man, it depends. I mean, it, if the founder has been around for a really long period of time and built a sustainable business and built a bench... So you can be really confident that the people who are stepping up to uh, take over have a lot of that founder's DNA in the way they are going to operate the company, then I'm fine with it. But if it's, uh, you know, you're in for two years and then that's it, you're cashing out, that's a little bit more troubling. But some of my favorite companies have had these founders who have stuck around for years and then finally, after like in the case of say MongoDB, thirteen years at the company, building it into the monster that it's become, and they've built a very deep bench, and I'm fine with that. I mean, after thirteen years, I yeah, I think you're allowed to have a vacation after thirteen years, and they're all going to head out at some point, whether it is being carried by others, being fired by the board, or indeed riding off to the sunset waving their cap. And that's exactly what Jeff Bezos announced on February 2nd of this year. I think it caught most of the world by surprise. You would assume that Bezos would be around with Amazon forever. And yet at the same time, as I think we were once to say, he will be around Amazon forever. It's where his net worth is centered. And of course, so much of his love and attention. But he also announced that he'll be stepping down later this year as CEO. So you might have guessed by now, Tim, that the stock I'm asking you about, it's market cap, is Amazon.com. By the way, it still retains the .com. A lot of companies 
after the dot-bomb years of 2001, kind of dropped the dot-com from their name. But Amazon.com remains the official corporate title, ticker symbol, of course, AMZN. It's range time, Tim Byers. Please provide your best guess at the range of Amazon's market cap. Okay, so I've been looking at this one recently, and I recently uh, uh, bought a share of of Amazon after mm. I, I famously sold it at $7 a share back in two, 2001. So I'm back in with one share. So I have looked at it recently. So I think I'm, I'm roughly right here, but my range is going to be uh, 1.485 trillion to $1.565 trillion. Wow. And I, I love how tight that range is until we realize this is in the trillions. So Rick Bunaris, he's still giving you more than $70 billion to work with within that relatively tight range. That is very thin, Tim. Uh, and and uh, congratulations. I mean, Amazon Fresh has also been a big part of my life uh, through the pandemic. Definitely a life game changer, lifesaver in so many ways. Uh, and I okay, I know Amazon is the third largest company by market cap. I know that, uh, but I could never come close as close as you did to it. I know it's somewhere around there, but I think you've gone so narrow that it must be out of your range one way or another. Either you went too low or too high. So I'm going to say it's outside of that range. Uh, it's just you're just too specific on this. He was very specific. He was specific enough. He had it right. So congratulations, Tim Byers, and those who said inside the range, because that was the correct answer here. So you've both scored a point on your good range stated. Let's talk about briefly where Amazon is today. The stock is around $3,170 a share as we record on Tuesday, March 23rd. And that means, Tim, you spent about that probably if you bought a share recently. And yep, that is a little bit more than seven. But you know what? It's not about where things were, but where they will be. That's all that really matters to us when we buy shares. And I love it when people add to their winners, of course. I would like to point out, speaking of winners, that for Motley Fool Stock Advisor members who were with us back in September 2002, we first picked this stock. Yeah, it was it was around 15 at that time for stock advisors. So it's up 20,219% against the S&P's 536. In other words, it's a 203 bagger. It has been one of the great stocks, not just of this era, but of any era. And of course, it would never be a great stock unless it were a great company. And while every company is challenged to be better, and there's talk of unionizing some aspects within Amazon's business, which I'm sure is troubling for somebody like Jeff Bezos. Nevertheless, this has been and is a great company. And I, too, am grateful for the deliveries I've gotten all the way through the pandemic. Well, Tim and Rick, you guys are tied one all. Again, those playing at home, if you said inside and then inside, give yourself two points and you're winning. Let's get to stock number three. Rick, what was one of the first stocks that you ever bought? Back in the day, early days, Rick Aristotle Munares, an early stock. An early stock that I bought. Um, uh, um, <clears throat> I mean, it, it's I own Disney, but I didn't buy it myself. My wife, then girlfriend, uh, at the time gave it to me as a gift. Uh, it, I bought some bad stocks. Uh, I mean, again, this was like late 80s, so did early I. 1990s, uh, like Wang Labs. Um, I bought Amgen and lost money on Amgen in the early 1990s, which was ridiculous at the time. But so yeah, it's it's a you know so the, most of the companies I bought in the 1990s I do not own now. Unfortunately, I mean, some of them turned out to be decent companies, but not those. 
If it's like me, you kind of wish that you just held everything and never sold anything, and you'd probably be ahead of where you were. So often that is the lived experience of many a fool I know. I think probably me included. You know, when we bought stocks back in those days, you had a pretty clear sense that if it was a one, two, or three-letter ticker symbol, it was from the New York Stock Exchange or maybe the American Stock Exchange back in the day. And if it was a four- or five-letter ticker symbol, Rick, it was on what? The NASDAQ, of course, over-the-counter. That's right. And a lot of people don't realize that NASDAQ is itself a stock, which, of course, is listed on the NASDAQ with a four-letter ticker symbol. Now, these days, those previous conventions no longer exist. So if The Motley Fool ever goes public, which I'm not sure it ever will, but if we ever did, we'd have to have the ticker symbol F-O-O-L, I imagine. But that would not force us to come public on the NASDAQ. We could come public on any exchange, it seems, these days, as you can kind of pick your poison with the lettering. But let's go to that ticker symbol NDAQ. A lot of us have bought stocks, NASDAQ stocks, over the years. And while I have to admit I don't really pay too much attention where anything's listed anymore, and the letters, the number of letters don't help me anymore, it has been a pretty good business itself. Now, again, a lot of new investors might not realize wait, you could actually buy stock in the stock exchange itself? Well, the answer is yes. Whether we're talking about the New York Stock Exchange, which is owned by Intercontinental Exchange, ICE, or the NASDAQ, which is on the NASDAQ, yes, you can be the house, in a sense. And so let's zero in now, Rick, on a range for NASDAQ's market cap. What is your range for ticker symbol NDAQ? All right. So this one's, again, I'm going to give a, no, you know what? I'm not going to give a wide range this time. And again, <laughs> I mean, the thing is with NASDAQ is that a lot of these exchanges like the CME group and stuff, they, they own so many other things that you think you're buying one thing, but they own so many other businesses that are in different phases of growth and value. Um, but I honestly, I, I have not looked at NASDAQ, uh, the stock in a while. Uh, so I'm just going um, uh, to say $70 billion to $95 billion. Excellent. $70 billion to $95 billion. I will mention, by the way, that NASDAQ has a female CEO. And I always think that's special in a day and age where uh, certainly most of the CEOs con- continue to be men. You always think, well, for the women who are CEOs, they really have worked extra hard to get there. So they're usually pretty special people. And I think Adana Friedman is one such example. This is a somewhat local company. This is sort of a greater DC area company. In fact, CEO Friedman herself was born in Baltimore, Maryland back in the day. But let me now turn to Tim Byers. Tim, you heard from Rick. And players at home, you heard from Rick. The range $70 billion to $95 billion. Tim, inside the range or outside the range? I think this one, so I think Rick is, uh, is, is pretty close to spot on here. I was personally thinking like $81 billion. So I'm going to say inside the range. Oh. <laughs> and I'm sorry to say you possibly have both been swayed by the sense that it's much it's a much bigger deal than it really is. Now I liked Rick's point earlier which a lot of these companies they've got multiple exchanges, right? Although in the case of Nasdaq, I think it makes a lot of its money off of technology that it provides as a as a supplier to other exchanges out there. It's not been that acquisitive when we look at the world's exchanges, but all of that equals today well a market cap of twenty four point one one billion. So, Rick, your guess at seventy to ninety five, well larger than Nasdaq. And Tim, your willingness to believe, Rick, was your downfall on stock number three. Rick takes a two to one lead. Before we move to stock number four, let me mention briefly that any time on the market cap game show, somebody thinks something is much bigger than where it is. 
I always say add that to your watch list. And at The Motley Fool and at Fool.com, you can add stocks. You can favorite them and add them to your watch list. But for bright people like Rick and Tim, who really do spend a lot of time thinking about the markets. And I'm always glad I'm not playing this game. I like to be Alex Trebek and never look silly because Alex Trebek always looked smart. Uh, God rest his soul. But, you know, isn't that telling that we were all willing to believe that maybe NASDAQ was about three times the size of what it is? So you start thinking that stock could probably grow there at some point, And maybe that's a watch lister. So thank you, Rick, for adding one to our watch list. All right, let's move to stock number four. And we're going to stay in the realm of pretty big cap companies here. So, Tim, so I'm thinking right now of a company that really dominates its categories. So, Tim, think about it for a sec. What's a company that you think, wow, it is almost iconic for its whole industry? For its whole industry? Um Iconic for its whole industry. Well, certainly Nike for athletic wear, I feel like is iconic. Um, and part of that just has to do with, you know, the ads that we grow. Like, I guess I'm I'm aging myself here and maybe I just have basketball on the brain, but like, <laughs> right? Air, Air Jordans, like the Michael Jordan uh, poster, that, that, you know, horizontal poster with the wingspan. I mean, absolutely. Just I mean, like that is iconic images. Yeah. And usually I'm not looking right now at the Nike stock chart, but usually you can expect that those companies that we would tend to name in this context we're talking about probably have been great stocks too. If a company is so big that it feels like it's the obvious player in its own industry, and if its industry is meaningful, probably that's a great company and a great stock. And not just looking backward, but again, looking forward. So I agree with you, Tim. Nike is that way. And and I watched 55 hours of college basketball <laughs> the past weekend as I watched the first seven hours on Thursday and then 12, 12, 12, and 12. Yep, I was there in front of my screen Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Dedication. And so I am with you. Let's think, though, of a different industry. Let's think of an industry that imbibes one of the world's most beloved brews. Not just in the here and now, but People were drinking it 100 years ago, 500 years ago. They'll be drinking it 100 years from now. A company that's from its positioning in the Pacific Northwest grabbed a bull by its horns around 30 years ago. Is that occasioning any word that's coming to your mind, Tim Byers? Oh, gosh. I hope you're not talking about like the, uh, the former you know, Molson Coors you know, in, the, in the Rocky Mountains. But I feel like... Um, I, I badly want to say Boston beer, but I know that can't be it. So I'm going to go with Starbucks because <laughs> that's the only thing that could be like, see, you said brew and I thought beer and I'm thinking this must be coffee. And it is coffee, Tim and Starbucks corporation ticker symbol SBUX based in and around Seattle, Washington founded, well, kind of not exactly, but purchased so early on by Howard Schultz, the great visionary behind Starbucks. This has been one of those market beaters that we've all watched grow up as we've grown up over the years and decades. I first picked this stock for Motley Fool Stock Advisor in February of 2006. So here we are 15 years later. Happy to say it's up 630%. The market is up 315% by comparison. So it's exactly double the market over the last 15 years. Now, we've certainly had some better performers than that seven-bagger return over 15 years. And yet, that's double the market, which I think I would take every 
single time. But more to the point, Tim Byers and everybody listening, what is the range of market cap that you're going to put on Starbucks Corporation, ticker symbol SBUX? This one is hard. I feel like... um... Yeah, I don't want to give I don't want to give Rick any any extra points here. So, let me see. I'm going to say between 78.2 billion and 116.7 billion. And of course, all of us playing at home love that Tim adds the decimal, such a critical component to uh, to a range. So, <laughs> so I'm hearing Rick Bunars to repeat 78.2 billion to 116.7 billion. My question to Rick and all of the fools playing at home is: Is Tim inside the range, or is the market cap outside Tim's range? Yes, yeah, so Starbucks. I mean, it's it's an amazing company, and it's just. I'm going to say outside the range only because you actually went with a wide range this time, which tells me you're not very confident. And I'm not very confident either, uh, though I know Starbucks reach is global and massive. Uh, but I'm going to say uh, um, I- I'm, I'm almost tempted to think it's higher, though it's probably not. But it's, I don't think it's in your range, Tim. And it's nice to have a ding sound after we led with some bzzz to start this market cap game show. So, Well done. You're right. Tim did provide a generous range, Rick, and yet it was outside Tim's range. The range, 78.2 to 116.7. Starbucks' market cap, 128.17 billion as we speak. So I would say a pretty doggone good range and good guess by Tim overall, but it is about 10 billion more. And we're here to learn, right? That's what we do on the Market Cap Game Show on the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast. And so it is wonderful to be reminded of just how large a little coffee company could become once it had global ambitions. Going back to Tim for a quick sec. Tim, do you drink Starbucks? Do you drink coffee at all? I don't. You don't yeah. Yes, you I do. Mean, this is, I mean, it, the, the listeners can't see here, and it's probably hard to see the camera, but this is my uh, Denver Starbucks uh, cup. So... I am literally drinking some coffee in my uh, Starbucks local cup for Denver, Colorado. Excellent. And a lot of people are doing that, not just here, but in China. I'm not sure any American company has made better inroads into China with its core business than Starbucks. All right. Well, Rick, you just took a three to one lead. Pretty good guess just outside the range. Tim provided a generous range. You know, I find myself really enjoying this new version of the Market Cap Game Show. It's thinkier. It's not just higher or lower. It's ranges and inside or outside. I hope this is working for everybody at home. Again, thanks to Adam Nelson, longtime listener, for his suggestion for what I think is going to be our new format going forward. All right, stock number five. We're going to turn back to Rick Munares for this one. And Rick, we're going to stay in the world of brew and beverage. Yep, that's right. Rick, I know you're a football fan. Uh, What iconic advertiser did not put any ads into the Super Bowl this year? Did you notice any prominent advertiser missing? Well, I mean, it's, it's, I I know, I, I know. Basically, Budweiser, they had, uh, I think they had a vaccination ad, but not a traditional ad of theirs. I don't know if Coca-Cola and Pepsi were present at all this year in the ads. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it was Bush. One of the, one of the basically the beer makers said, hey, we're just going to put an ad about go out and get vaccinated and we're not going to actually be, you know, 
taking out the Clydesdale horses again uh, this year. So that that really is the company that I meant. And my apologies that I missed that they did that they were the ones potentially behind that COVID vaccine ad, which I think is really. Uh, meaningful and apparently memorable, even though I kind of miss it. I guess I was looking for the Clydesdales. There were no Clydesdales. So in my mind, Anheuser-Busch in Bev, ticker symbol B-U-D, went a-missing from the Super Bowl this year. Well, sounds like they weren't, but one thing's for sure. They didn't plaster the Super Bowl with ads. And in years past, talk about March Madness as well, guys. This is a company that often advertises around sports. Well, a lot of us Whatever we think of the quality of their beer, a lot of us are familiar with this company. And part of the reason I picked it, November of 2015, is in my mind, this is a timeless business. People will always be drinking beer, I was saying to myself back then. And so let's pick the stock. I am sorry to say, and I particularly apologize to Stock Advisor members, that I've been wrong. The stock is down 44% over the last five and a half years. So, yep, we've been patiently holding Anheuser-Busch in Bev. There have been some changes to the management and changes to the business. They've mostly been down while the market has more than doubled. So this has been a substantial underperformer. Now, I love my winners on this podcast, and winners count so much more than our losers, but we always like to talk about losers too as fellow fools because we know losing is part of how we win. I do want to mention before turning to Rick and asking him for his range of market cap for ticker symbol BUD, I want to mention that recently we put this stock into the penalty box, which for the Motley Fool Stock Advisor Service is where we put stocks on hold. While we're not selling it, we're telling you don't be actively adding to it or buying it right now. It's in the penalty box. And the write-up that we provided mentioned that despite the occasional stories that you might see regarding increased alcohol consumption during the pandemic, it does turn out that global alcohol consumption may actually have dropped in 2020. I feel like a lot of people don't know that by as much as 8%, according to one analysis. Now, the U.S. was a different story with consumption up 14% among adults over 30. That's right. As global alcohol consumption decreased, Americans stepped up to the plate and grabbed another beer to compensate. But guys, not enough to help this stock that much, at least in the near term. Let me now turn to Rick. Rick, what is your market cap range for Anheuser-Busch in Bev, ticker symbol BUD? Right. I mean, clearly they're a beverage juggernaut, but I mean, this is a cutthroat market, very competitive market. It's very easy. There's barriers to entry are not that high, which is why we have the great companies like Boston Beer that just come out of nowhere and become iconic. Uh, I'm going to, and again, I, I'm not that familiar with 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 with, with Spuds McKenzie and, and all that, uh, but I'm going to go with, uh, let's say, um, 60.3 billion i can play the to the right of the decimal like tim uh nice. to, to 82.1 billion all right 60.3 to 82.1 billion perhaps the inclusion of the decimal point almost becomes a convention that everyone will use going forward i see you guys leaning on it i like it now turning to tim byers and all of my players at home team inside rick's range or outside rick's range 60.3 to 82.1. Jeez, I think Rick is trying to dunk on me here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the block and and say, David, that it is outside the range, hoping that I'm right. And indeed you are, which always adds a little bit more interest when we don't have a blowout score. I watched a lot of March Madness blowouts. I kept watching them, but it's not as fun when the score is highly imbalanced. I'm happy to say, Tim, and everybody who said 
outside at home that you got it right. Now, Rick didn't have a bad guess there, 60.3 to 82.1, but the market cap of Anheuser-Busch InBev is $106.55 billion, so measurably 25% on top of the high end of Rick's range. This is a hundred-plus billion-dollar company. And I have to admit, I'm somebody lifelong who's never liked beer, so I have almost no association with this product. Tim or Rick, do you guys like Bud? I haven't. The last time I had a beer would have been a Guinness, and that's got to be years ago. <laughs> Although, uh, yeah, no, I'm not much of a beer drinker anymore, David. I used to be more, and I still, you know, um, my Irish background definitely supports the the the, the good friends at Guinness, but uh, no, haven't for a long time. Well, I'm going to say, Tim, I'm happy to say, I, I know it's just on Zoom, but I've never really seen a buyer's beer belly. Like, you look in pretty <laughs> good shape to me, so I'm not surprised that you're teetotaling, perhaps in part your way through some of your latter years, it's doing you well. Rick? Yeah, I do have the beer belly, but not the beer. So, yeah, I, I've also been uh, – uh, I mean, I'll have a beer every now and then. Uh, but, yeah, I was in I, I was in a fraternity. I was always the designated driver because they knew that my beverage of choice, like Warren Buffett, was a can of Diet Coke. So, uh, so yes, uh, I, again, a market that's I, I can appreciate for its growth, uh, a very important uh, you know product out there. But, yeah, I'm not much of a beer drinker either. Outstanding. Well, it sounds like you guys were not helping out this industry during the pandemic. Many Americans have been. Uh, We'll hope, though, that overall this company continues to succeed. It's the first to say things like, take care of yourself, uh, don't drive while you drink, those kinds of things. Uh, They're probably the biggest purveyor of those messages in our society, just about. And yet, of course, they are selling alcohol. Now, some of us uh, object to that, and I could easily understand that. Often, I've talked in the past about making your portfolio reflect your best vision for our future. Some people don't think alcohol is a good force in our society, and I could certainly see their viewpoint. Other people don't like Starbucks coffee, one jot. They love coffee. They just think Starbucks is bad. Great. Don't buy those stocks, then. There are lots of other great picks out there. Although I really shouldn't mention Anheuser-Busch and Bev right now next to the phrase great pick because it has not been for me. All right, let's move to stock number six. Now, ever since Aaron Bush broke this game show more than a year ago, I've made a point of including stocks that are not under active recommendation. We've let off with five companies, all of which are active recommendations of mine and Stock Advisor or Rule Breakers. But this next company is neither. And in jotting some notes out to myself before the show, Tim, I was going to turn to you at this point and say, are you watching any March Madness? But I think we now know that you are watching oh, yeah. some March Madness. So so Syracuse was your graduate school. Yes. Yeah. I have a master's degree from from Syracuse. So when uh, when the Orange play, I, I like to tune in and, and watch. And it's it's been awfully fun to see Buddy Bayheim go unconscious from outside the three-point arc it's been uh it's been really fun to watch him drain the threes and tim was that was that for communications at syracuse psychology okay yep yep exactly i forget that about you i associate you because you've been working for us as a contractor and now an employee for years coming from your home in colorado so i forget about syracuse but i think one thing's true of both it's cold this time of year even this time of year sometimes in both places for and sure. that, that's not a problem for you, Tim. You're not looking to retire one day to the Bahamas because you're sick of the cold. Oh, I'll retire to Hawaii if I can. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, we had a pretty big snowstorm here a few days ago in, in Colorado, and I got out and shoveled a little bit. And actually, 
it was it was kind of refreshing to see the spring snow because it is when it's not like the heavy icy kind and it's just quiet and the snow's coming down that's actually not so bad but uh yeah i i'm ready for spring warm it up i'm good let's let's you know we don't need too much snow here anymore i can certainly relate and that was a heck of a snowstorm that Colorado faced about a week ago or so. But, you know, one of the things about watching 55 hours of college basketball is that you see ads and you see the same ads over and over. And I appreciate the advertisers that have like five or six different ads, right? So there might be some storytelling. You're not having to see the exact same message over and over. But if you've watched 55 hours of basketball on the various CBS networks, you have seen all of those versions of all of those ads one too many times. And you know, certain product categories or industries tend to dominate. If you if you watch carefully, the meta game of watching ads is ask yourself, you know, what is the company that's putting out that advertisement? And often what is their competitor in the same industry that is also putting out advertisements? And if you were to look at the categories like automobiles or let's say beer, you'll start to see certain industries highly represented in our ads. Now, among other people I've watched games with Over the weekend, I was watching some with my nephew, and he said, Uncle David, did you notice just how many insurance companies advertise here and just how many ads they have? And he said, while I don't fully know the dynamics of that industry, man, must they have high margins if they can put out that many ads as an industry. So I think right away of Geico, which has to be one of the best-known advertisers, at least for sports fans, the Geico Gecko, the Caveman, the list goes on and on. I think of Progressive. Flo, who wasn't that funny to me initially, but some of the more recent progressive ads uh, with Flo featured have been better, I think, and kind of funny. There's that one of them relaxing on the beach, and she can't not just enjoy the beach. She has to dash away and correct somebody about his or her impression of progressive business model. So Geico, progressive, but at least one more big corporation is going big this time. And while I didn't really follow the Pet Shop Boys back in the day, their song which includes the lyrics, I've got the brains, you've got the looks, let's make lots of money. You got the brawn, I got the brains, let's make lots of money, right? That song is going through my head. And I, I can also picture Dennis Haysbert, who I think of as the president of the United States in 24, but it turns out he's also just a talented actor and somebody who is a front man for the Allstate Corporation, another big advertiser, this time of year. So let's talk about the Allstate Corporation, ticker symbol ALL. I have never recommended the stock. I did a quick check over the last five years. If you just bought and held Allstate stock, ticker symbol again, ALL, you would have made 70% of your money. The market's up 90% over the last five years. So you'd be underperforming. But you know, you're probably getting some dividends there. And hey, you may have owned it 30 years ago. You might still own it 30 years from now. I personally just don't like the insurance business. I always feel like I'm paying in and never getting paid out. And the few times I feel like I should be paid out, they come over, start kicking the tires and ask me tough questions. And are you sure? And we don't really owe you that. I, I just have never liked this industry. I realize some people love it, including Warren Buffett. Anyway, our thoughts about the industry aside, Tim, more to the point, the market cap range for the Allstate Corporation, ticker ALL. This is really interesting. Um, I have not looked at this company. So this is this is going to be an interesting guess. Uh, so I'm, I'm telegraphing that to, to Rick here. Rick, I'm like dribbling up the court here behind the line. Clock's running <laughs> down. So I'm just launching it up here and we'll, we'll see what happens. 
and the name and what's funny about this is the name of that song david is opportunities or it's something it, you're it, right uh, you know i the, didn't know that but i the, looked it up and that is yeah, the title yep lots of opportunities that's the you know the the refrain from that pet shop boys song i remember it from the 1980s remember it well so um gosh i mean so fairly big insurer been around for a long time pays a fat dividend um, I know some other smaller insurance companies, so I'm going to guess it's bigger than most of the small insurance companies. That puts the range somewhere around 34.7 billion to 62.8 billion. Excellent. Players at home, Rick Minares. Tim just stated that the market cap for Allstate is somewhere between 34.7 billion and 62.8 billion. Rick, inside or outside that is tim's widest range to date right now in this game uh so and i'm sort of yeah like like tim i don't really follow all state at all um but i'm just gonna say that 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 tim just shot it from basically half court and it was basically an air ball but an understandable air ball since none of us know the company so i'm gonna say you are outside of the range even after that wide 30 plus billion uh range you gave so i'm gonna say outside the range and I want to turn to you both, gentlemen, and I'm not going to sing again, but I want to say, Rick, you've got the brawn, but Tim's got the brains. Let's make lots of money. And it was a heck of a great guess because the very low end of Tim's range, $34.7 billion, he said the market cap is $34.83 billion. And so just <laughs> barely, just barely within Tim's admittedly wide range, he nailed it. And so you've got the looks, Rick, but Tim's got the brains. Friends, let's all make lots of money. All right. I think that makes it three to three, guys. Things are Tied. just warming up. Yep. Let's go to stock lucky number seven. All right. Stock number seven. I'm going to turn to my friend Rick Minares and say, Rick, what are some of the best picks that Tim, in your mind, has brought to Rule Breakers members? Now, both of you have been on the team for well more than 10 years. And anybody who knows how Rule Breakers works knows that I ask talented people like you, you know, what's your best idea this month? And then I take Rick's best idea, Tim's best idea. I take Alicia, a new member of our team, her best idea, my best idea. Tom King is a member of our team. Carl Teal is a member of our team. Many others, Aaron Bush, David Kretzman, the list goes on and on over the years of so many people who've been through Rule Breakers and added value. And anybody who's a member, and I hope everybody listening to me right now, is a member of Rule Breakers, knows that it's a team effort. And my task, and it's not always that easy, is to look among all of these great suggestions each month and decide which one do I favor? Which one will we go with? And that is, I guess, the gatekeeper role that I've assigned myself for, for a long period of time. But if you love this service and you follow what we're doing, you know, well, actually, that was Tim's pick or that was Rick's pick. And while I'm not expecting you guys have memorized what the other guy has brought to Rule Breakers, Rick, what are a few of the best picks that in your mind, Tim has brought to rule breaker members. Well, I mean, I know salesforce.com has done really well. Um, and that's one that Tim was on early. Um, uh, uh, I mean, more recently Peloton, it, like, like you don't expect like Tim brought this one to the table and obviously did really well since he brought it up. Uh, just and so Great many examples. Yeah. I'll, I'll, basically if there's a cloud-based computing company, it's him except for, I guess, Datadog, uh, which was mine. But yeah, so, so I, there's just so many. I, I'm going to guess wrong, uh, but I, let's say Salesforce, if you want me to guess what I think you're going with here. 
Well, I'm not, actually. I, I really just wanted you to highlight some of Tim's great work, and guess what I'm about to do? Tim, what are some of the best picks that, in your mind, Rick has brought to Rule Breaker members, one, one or two? Oh, man. I mean... One of my favorites, the one that I wish that I had come up with that I I think Rick deserves so much credit for putting Twilio into your, you know, uh, into your view, David. I mean, Twilio's just been a monster. What a great pick that was. Um, gosh, I I know I always want to, you know, give Rick credit for Mercado Libre. I know that Rick wasn't the one who brought it in, but that's that's one of them. And then another that Rick and Carl together brought is is the trade desk. And that too has been just a monster. And those are a couple more great examples. And we don't have time because this is a game show we're playing right now. And I try to bring this show in around an hour each time. We could go on and talk a lot more about what you both have brought not just through your picks, but of course, through your writing and words to members, especially Motley Fool Live in the last year. I think about that too. So thank you both for all that you've done. I'm going to go though, turning back to Rick now for company number seven, I'm going to go to one that Tim didn't mention. And I understand why, because this stock is only up 554% since <laughs> January of 2016. So this isn't one of Rick's best picks, but that's a pretty good return in five years, a six bagger, the market up 130% over that time. A lot of this company's business was probably inactive for portions of 2020 because Planet Fitness, Rick, ticker symbol PLNT, one of those brands that most Americans recognize might even have that low subscription price, which is part of its strength, by the way, competing against higher end gyms, low subscription price, you know, gym for the rest of us positioning that Planet Fitness has staked out. And yet it wasn't a great business in 2020. Yeah, definitely. So Planet Fitness, yeah, again, you couldn't go to gyms early on. And that sort of led, we talked about Peloton just a couple of minutes ago, that led to the Peloton revolution. A lot of people working out at home, uh, but Planet Fitness obviously doing well now that people, hey, I need to get, I've put on this pandemic weight. Um, we've all have, and it's it's almost like, you know, a New Year's resolution just post vaccine uh, world where it should be pretty good for Planet uh, Fitness. Uh, so yeah, it, and I should just go and just give you my market cap range now on this because I don't know the market cap on Planet Fitness. I'm going to tell Tim right now, um, it's this is my nightmare that David brings up a stock that I've recommended <laughs> and somehow I'm blanking on the market cap uh, because it's just been that kind of – I know it was a very small company uh, when I first brought it. It wasn't that large necessarily. It was a newish company. Um yeah. So well, yeah. Go, Rick. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna throw you a lifesaver here or a lifeline, but I will throw you a little tidbit if it helps. And this, of course, helps all all of our players at home as well. So I'm happy to generously let you know that the stock right now is around seventy five dollars a share. Now at the nadir, do you guys remember how how it felt to be an investor in March of last year? Right around this time, one year ago. Wow, the whole market was selling off. The stock dropped from nine. It was just short of ninety to 25 in a matter of weeks. So delightful now to think that it's back to 75. And frankly, to think that it's tripled from its lows, given the business conditions for largely a bricks and mortar operation is remarkable to me. I think it's probably fair to say, Rick, Tim, and everybody listening, that the market is trading in advance of expectations. Its present pricing is not based on the great performance it had last quarter. It's more on a belief that the world will return while it's a new normal, there will be a lot of normal in the new normal. And one of it probably is that Planet Fitnesses are going to open up again and begin growing again. And I think you point out part of the reason why, Rick, which is a lot of us probably would benefit 
from that a little bit. So if that helps, you should know that the stock hit a recent high of 90. It's dropped back to 75. That's not just a hint for Rick. That's a hint for Tim. That's a hint for everybody listening, but not too big a hint because most of us aren't mapping market caps to stock prices. Rick Minares, provide your range for Planet Fitness, ticker symbol PLNT. So this is my second nightmare where we're playing a game called, do you know how many shares outstanding are in Planet Fitness? So you can calculate <laughs> David's $75 gift to what it's worth. And I'm blanking on that too. Uh, but again, Planet Fitness is a great company growing briskly, but it's a franchisee driven model. Uh, so it's not like it's not that asset heavy, uh, which is great for margins and everything, but it's not as rich as you would think it would be uh, as far as market cap. I'm going to say um, between 20 billion and 30 billion. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'll leave it there. Excellent. Big round numbers, Tim Byers and players at home, $20 billion to $30 billion. Tim, is Planet Fitness's market cap inside or outside that range? You know, I'm for some reason, I have a lower market cap in mind. But usually, and I'm just playing a, you know, my brain here. My brain usually tricks me. So I'm going to say, even though my instinct is outside the range, I'm going to go against it and say inside the range. I think Rick may have may have found the range here, but we'll see. I'm going against my instinct here, David. Ah! And sure enough, what's I mean this this is such a great example of why I love this game show because Rick was completely wrong, and it was his nightmare, and he had confessed that to all of us, that this is his stock. It's been such a great six-bagger for members over five years, and yet he guessed dramatically higher than Planet Fitness's actual market cap. Planet Fitness has a market cap of $6.94 billion. and Tim, you had the right instinct, but you said you would go against it. I know. <laughs> it's so usually My instincts are usually so wrong in this game. So, oh, that's fun. So again, if you were outside the range, the many people playing at home, give yourself a point. And Rick Minars, you can take a point, even though ironically it's your stock and it's one third the size of the, the company you were imagining. But again, Rick, would you not say that this is a pretty bullish indicator for those of us listening? Because a lot of us have heard of the business and we can imagine uh, how it would do well in the future as things open back up. And so maybe one to add to the watch list. Yeah, definitely. And again, yeah, 20 billion, 30 billion sounds sort of ridiculous for, I mean, a, a very fast growing, but it, it's a gym operator. Again, yeah, I think I over I overestimated like at a buffet line, like I'm putting everything on my plate. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, maybe the, maybe this is like the right answer in, in, in 2025 edition of this game, hopefully. <laughs> Great yeah. point. I will say probably a portion of your thinking and a lot of people listening right now is, what were the market caps that the companies covered so far? 3M, $111 billion. Amazon, $1.5 trillion. NASDAQ, $24 billion, but Starbucks, $128. Anheuser-Busch, $106. Allstate, $34 billion. Those are all much bigger numbers. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's some unconscious bias in your head there, Rick, just thinking it's got to be a bigger number because all of them that went before are so much bigger. But as it turns out, no. Let's keep moving. Stock number eight. By my count, Rick four, Tim three, you at home, anywhere from zero to eight. But I'm cheering for you. I hope you have a big number. All right. Turning to Tim. Tim, when roughly would you estimate the phrase meme stock entered the vernacular? Oh, geez. Meme stock. Uh, twenty. I mean, that feels very 2020 to me. 
And actually, I would say maybe more recent than that, Tim, because using Google Trends, trends trends.google.com, you can kind of look up the the frequency of any search term. And they're kind of graphed like stocks. You can see a graph of where that term was. So I did that recently. And meme stock, get this, January 17th to 23rd of this year, so that's two months ago, it was sort of where it had been like a really dull stock going sideways for years and years, not particularly searched. One week later, January 24th to 30th, a 10X, the search volume of one week before. So I'm going to place the popularity of meme stock, it entering the vernacular between January 24th and 30th, which is probably some of the companies that have been called meme stocks started to pop and pop big. Now, Tim and Rick and everybody at home, there are a number of companies I could have chosen here. And a lot of people might think GameStop, because I think GameStop probably is like the iconic meme stock of 2021, which is the iconic year for meme stocks. And I love the irony in that name, because from almost the first day it started, I started saying, when will this game stop? Because I think it is a game, and I think the music is going to end, and probably before too long. But GameStop was too obvious. I figured you guys might be doing your due diligence. That Dave's maybe going to ask GameStop. So I try to be cagey that way. But there is another company. And I think we've all benefited from this company services, just like I myself have appreciated GameStop over many years, not the last seven, but many years. And that would be AMC Entertainment Holdings. The ticker symbol is AMC. And I'm sticking with you here, Tim. I think a lot of us can think of many fond memories. Maybe we paid a little bit too much for that ticket or for the, and or for that popcorn. But I was, especially when we were still going to movie theaters, I would always choose IMAX. And it was usually an AMC IMAX in the greater DC area that I would go to. Now, AMC, pretty dull stock. I'll tell you, over the last five years, this includes the recent move. Over the last five years, the stock market is up 90%. AMC, is down 60%. That's a really bad five years, which includes recent pops. Not a great situation, I don't think. A company I previously appreciated, I question the relevance going forward. I'm not saying I'm rooting against them, though, but I'm doubting that this market cap holds up. Well, enough spoilers and enough stalling. Tim Byers, let me turn to you and ask, Tim, your range for the market cap for ticker symbol AMC, AMC Entertainment Holdings, the movie theater company. Gosh, I mean, this is my worst nightmare, Rick. I mean, I love movies and I love going to the movie theater, but this is like this is like that awful half court trap. You're like, I can't I can't get it out. You know, this is going to be a turnover. So, um, geez, I will say that this is I don't think it's a big market cap, even with the recent run up but I don't think it's a terribly small market cap either. I'm going to go not with a, a tight range, but maybe a little tighter than is is wise, because if I'm right, then I think I'm really right. So I'm going to say $4.7 billion to $8.1 billion. $4.7 billion to $8.1 billion. Let's cut to the chase. Players at home, Rick Minars, is it inside Tim's range or outside Tim's range? So this is the market cap game and not the enterprise value game because AMC is a company that has a lot of debt. And I know that's baked into its total valuation, uh, which which is what's happening now. 
Um, AMC, obviously. But it would be a bigger number, yeah, right? Much, You're saying would, if we included its debt, and if you wanted to buy this company, you'd have to assume the debt. So enterprise value is technically the better number. It's just not as easily calculable or as fun. But you're absolutely right, Rick. Yeah, it's not fun. So let's keep this fun, of course. Um, so I know that AMC does not have much of a market cap, even after the, the, the pop, because a lot of its value, that's just been taken on debt. And, and it's just a lot of shares outstanding. And, and, and it, it's, 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 it's sort of an issue. Um, I'm going to say lower. Um, I know that the stock is, I mean, it was basically around $10 a couple days ago. Um, I don't know where it is right now. But and but yet, I think it's more of an enterprise value than a shareholder than a than 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 a market cap value. So I'm going to say it's lower than Tim's range. All right. So you're saying outside Tim's range? Yes, outside. Yes. And I have to say, Tim did a pretty good job. I noticed, you know, 4.7, 8.1, which by the way would have fit Planet Fitness. And it is interesting to think of the value of AMC in light of Planet Fitness. Again, Planet Fitness we've established has a market cap of 6.94 billion. AMC, as it turns out. At present, is at $5.65 billion. Now, this is one of the more volatile market caps. You could fall asleep, Rip Van Winkle, but just for seven days, not 70 years or whatever it was. Seven days from now, it could be quite a different number, which is part of what's happening with the meme stocks. But at present, the stock was down 15% today, Tuesday, now that the market is closed as we near the end of this podcast. And so that puts it at $5.65 billion for now. We're having some fun with that. You know, the stock started this year right around $3 a share. So for it to be at 10 isn't too bad. A triple in just a few months. How sustainable that is? Well, I'll leave that for history to show. I will point out, though, guys, sticking with trends.google.com, the phrase meme stock here at the end of March is about where it was a year ago now. That phrase is losing currency rapidly. And if you were graphing the phrase meme stock on Google Trends, that looks kind of like the meme stocks themselves. A huge spike and then a lot of loss of value. I'm expecting that that's probably going to continue for the phrase and for many of these companies. All right. Well, the good news for people who like suspense, I'm counting it as Rick for Tim for home stretch. Stocks number nine and 10. Let's go to stock number nine. Turning to you now, Rick. Rick, do you know my snap test? I've talked about this some in the past and written about it some, occasionally podcasted. When I use that phrase, do you know what I mean by that? I've heard it. I can't recall it right now. So, And I never expect that anybody, even if they're working alongside me for years, would like know all of my eccentricities and things. So this gives me a quick opportunity to restate what it is, especially for so many people who are new as listeners or new to rule breakers in the last year or so. You know, the snap test is a fairly simple concept. You'll get it right away. If you snapped your fingers and the company that you're looking at disappeared overnight, Kind of like what Thanos did to the superheroes in Marvel Avengers. If you could snap your fingers and make it disappear the next morning, would anyone notice? Would anyone care? And my belief about the snap test is just a simple way of asking yourself, should I buy this stock or not? Because I think if everyone would notice or if a lot of people would care or care deeply, then you probably are barking up the right tree when you're looking at those kinds of companies. And if you snapped your fingers and GameStop disappeared, I've got real questions. Who would really notice, especially as consumers, and who would really care? And so the snap test is something that I've written about for quite a long time, but I mention it just here and there occasionally. So I want to lock down and just make sure Rick and everybody knows the snap test. Now, for the most part, I've applied that, friends, to 
companies, to individual companies. But for this one, stock number nine, Rick, I want to I want you to think about industries. What are some of the most consequential and important industries where if you snapped your fingers and an entire industry disappeared overnight, would anyone notice? Would anyone care? Now, I have to say, when you talk about an industry level, Rick, I mean, someone is probably going to notice almost anywhere. But some industries uh, are more consequential than, I would say, plastic surgery, which is still a really interesting business, but is not as critical to the future of the world as some other industries. Rick, what are one or two industries that come to mind when you think about what would really hurt if we lost those right now? If we lost, I mean, I think entertainment industry, I know we think it's a luxury, but I mean, it's, it's especially this past year, where would be would we be without entertainment and the media stocks um, is one. Obviously, uh, more to life, uh, you know, stuff just like the, the, the Amazons, uh, uh, the, the retail in general, obviously, you can't live without retail because there has to be commerce somehow. Um, so, I mean, maybe these are just broader industries, uh, that, that bigger nets than you're asking me to throw out. But I think uh, uh, some of these are just industries that, you know, obviously healthcare uh, and just all the different facets of it that, you know, you just couldn't outside of plastic surgery and other aesthetics uh, related ones, you know, that are just so critical. I agree. And I'm glad you mentioned both of those because, boy, have we made a lot of money as investors with our members over the years by focusing our investing in entertainment and in retail and e-commerce especially. And so this is part of the point. I think that if we're focused on investing in the best industries, the most disruptive and consequential and dynamic industries of our time, we're going to do a lot better than if we're putting our stock in fly-by-night companies or industries that don't have a lot of heft or meaning to that many people worldwide. Well, you didn't happen to name the industry I'm thinking of here, but I'd like to put forward that semiconductors and chips are put in so many devices around us these days. It's such a critically important part of not just our present, but of course the future. And one thing I've heard in recent months, and this is not my industry, I do not work within this industry, but I've heard that there's a worldwide chip shortage. Just like sometimes we hear there's a worldwide software developer shortage. We can't make enough of these people. We're giving them like boot camps to teach them coding because before the machines take over, we humans want to make sure that we're controlling the machines. We're, we're designing them. Well, I hear the same thing just about semiconductor chips. And so I think about companies that, that are in that industry and are so consequential. And I go to the Netherlands. And I realize not a lot of people go to the Netherlands with either their investing or maybe even their tourist days, although I've spent at least one beautiful day in Amsterdam, among other worldwide great cities. But Rick, let's turn our attention to ASML holding. The ticker symbol, helpfully, is ASML. Now, this is one of those companies that is integral to the creation on a daily basis of the chips that make our world run. And they are operating at some of the highest levels of sophistication and technology. Rick, I won't make you guess this because I'm going to ask you about the market cap very very soon. So you're going to be thinking about that. But I will ma- mention how many nanometers are in an inch. And the answer is 25.4 million nanometers are in an inch. And this company is operating at eight nanometers. That's the size of the chips that are happening. So you just, I mean, That's why I included this company in one of my five stock samplers from last year. In fact, I'm looking at it right now, September 2nd, 2020, five stocks indistinguishable from magic. And boy, if you can make something that's intelligent, that runs the world at eight nanometers, that seems pretty indistinguishable from magic. So now let me turn to you more formally and ask you, Rick Bunares, for your best guess at the range of the market cap for ASML holding, ticker symbol ASML. 
I'm guessing Tim may know this company better than I do, uh, but I mean, it's to me, it's semiconductors. Uh, it's it could be a cutthroat industry, uh, but you still have companies like Taiwan Semiconductor, which is really one of the largest market cap companies in the planet, and obviously the Intel's and, and other companies. Um, ASML. Um, I'm gonna just uh, I'm just basically throwing this out there uh, like I have you know I, I didn't have an excuse for Planet, uh, hey, Planet that's Fitness. What, that's how we play this game. <laughs> uh, but I'm gonna say again, I, it's I, I know the company and I know it's important for what it does, but I don't know how you know I don't know if it's basically a, just a, it's if it's licenses its technology or if it's the one actually doing the manufacturing and uh, making the revenue. I'm just gonna say uh, for the company's sake, uh, I'm gonna give it a market cap uh, between fifty billion and eighty billion. All right, players at home, Tim Byers. Rick Bunares has guessed a range of $50 billion to $80 billion. Tim, inside or outside that range? You know, what's interesting about this, so ASML has ultralithography you know, technology. It's a maker of semiconductor manufacturing equipment. Um, its peers, I think, are a little bit bigger. Um, and there are some that I that I follow that that are a little bit bigger. It's a very interesting company, and that's a good market cap range. So I could easily be wrong here, but this time I'm going to go with my instincts. So you know, um, and say it is slightly lower, so outside the range. Even though I think Rick is really pretty darn close here, <laughs> and. Tim, the beauty of this game is that you get credit for it, and yet your logic was not correct, and yet that's part of what we love about the Market Cap Game Show. Because as it turns out, and maybe let's go back to the snap test and think about the incredible importance of this technology and the global nature of it. This is a much larger company than you guys were realizing, or frankly, that I than I was realizing as we mm. initially researched it and put it into Motley Fool Stock Advisor in July of 2020. Now I was earlier celebrating stocks that have much lower market caps than we think, saying we should add them to our watch list. But in this case, it's the exact opposite. But I still think you should add it to your watch list because it's a reminder of how big this world is, how big this industry is, and how competitive ASML is. So Rick's guess of 50 to 80 billion. Tim, you're saying slightly on the lower end. It is 243.73 billion, Ooh, a quarter right then. of a trillion dollars. And despite how large it is, really happy to say that since July of last year, it's up 50% with the market up 23%. So nice. even at a big market cap, friends, it has been a significant market beater. All right. Well, that sets up a dramatic conclusion because if my math is right and I, I only get by with the help of my friends here, Tim, you're saying, and you're right, you've got five. Rick, you've got four. Five to four as we go to the final stock for this market cap game show. Turning to Tim. Tim, one letter ticker symbols. Any thoughts? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Uh Oh gosh! I'm not I even mean, asking you to guess what stock I'm at. I'm just, what do you think about when you think about like a one-letter ticker symbol? What does that say to you? I mean, it does say that I, you you definitely get some cred because there can only be 26, <laughs> um, you know, one-letter, uh, you know, ticker symbols. So, but there are so like the other thing about them is this is not always true, but for a lot of them. They are the older companies, and so you know, I don't know. This is they—they they may not be the innovators that I follow most closely. 
And, you know, I'm glad you said that, Tim, because of the 10 companies we presented this market cap game show, two were not in my universe of picks. The ones that are not are Allstate and AMC Entertainment Holdings. The other eight are. And yet I tend to pick the companies that I think are going to win in the future. A lot of those single letter ticker symbol companies are industrials that were doing the same thing 50 years ago. But the few that have broken out with a one-letter ticker symbol and yet are relatively new and are very forward-looking with their operations or their dreams, those as a small group have been an out outperformer. And it kind of makes sense. They're, they're kind of big enough within what they do or iconic enough. For example, Unity, a recent IPO, ticker symbol U, which is not the company I'm about to ask you about, but that would be a good example of a company that somehow got its one-letter ticker symbol and yet is a really important newer company. And so is Zillow Group, ticker symbol Z, although some people would say ZG, because this is one of those companies that understandably, but in my mind, unfortunately, gave itself a second class of stock and annoyed me and many other investors as we have to talk about two different ticker symbols for the same darn company for the most part, Zillow Group. Of course, a company many of us got to know initially through the Zestimates that all of a sudden were put on the property that we owned or the one we were looking at and made it easy and kind of democratized information about what that home on the corner might be worth. Now, a lot of professionals would be the first to say, I don't believe in the Zestimates. That's all silly. And yet those same professionals were often advertising on Zillow and the platform within a few years of saying that as Zillow came to prominence and more recently, as you both know, Zillow has gotten into the market of house flipping. It itself becomes a buyer of some of the properties that it puts numbers on on its platform and might buy or sell you a house these days. It's been a radical move uh, for the company to make, and yet the company has come through pretty successfully. Speaking of successful, as I turn to Tim very shortly for this market cap, speaking of successful, Zillow Group has rocked it for rule breaker investors since my friend Rick Minares brought this stock in September of 2011, to our attention in Rule Breakers, it's up 1,411%. That's a 15-bagger. The market up 300%. So it has whomped the market for those of us who love rule breaking and are willing to hold through thick and thin. Let me now turn to Tim with that wind-up. Tim, the market cap range you want to give for admittedly Rick's stock, although Rick's already shown he doesn't always know the market caps for his stocks, even if they're big winners, the market cap range for Zillow Group, ticker symbol Z or ZG. Yeah, my um, the one in this space that I really like and the one that I own is Redfin. And Redfin. that you brought to Rule Breakers, and it's been a big winner for our members as well. Yeah, and I know it's smaller than Zillow. So I know, so I know where to start. Um, but uh, admittedly here, again... You know, I'm just firing it up from way beyond the arc here, Rick. So, you know, don't uh, put too much stock into this guess. But I'm going to say I have a I have a reasonable idea, but this is still a big guess. 17.8 billion to 26.2 billion is my guess here for Zillow. 
Excellent. $17.8 billion to $26.2 billion. And I'm so delighted to close with stock number 10, which I kind of selected at random. But to think that, Rick, you brought Zillow. Tim, you brought Redfin. You both have enriched Rule Breaker members with those suggestions. And to, to be able to think about both those stocks here, even though I'm just asking about one of them, is a perfect way to conclude this market cap game show. Again, the range that Tim specified, Rick, and players at home, $17.8 billion to 26.2 billion rick inside or outside that range out again a, a stock i picked and this is my nightmare coming back to life but then again i mean i i'm grateful uh, that i mean david started off the whole night the, the whole podcast basically talking about how he hates march madness blowouts and who we are five to four the ball is in my hands i have to <laughs> nail both free throws to take the game to overtime i don't think there is overtime in this game anyway but um and i really don't have much of a clue as to what zilla's market cap is uh, but I'm going to go say that it is outside that range uh, because I feel that uh, while, while Redfin and Zillow are doing great, I think it's going to be outside of your range. And that brings us to a tie. And you're right. There is no overtime because, Rick, you nailed it. It is outside Tim's range. Tim had a good shot at it, no question. As a Redfin fan, he probably was dialing a little bit low, even though he was remembering that Zillow is bigger than Redfin, but Zillow's even bigger than that. The market cap, as we speak, thirty-two point six five oh, billion. Very nice. That is very outside nice. the range. Again, only about five or six billion outside the top of the range that Tim specified, and yet it was bigger than that. The stock today around one hundred thirty-five dollars a share. As we talk, and yes, one of those newer wave technology-based owners of a single letter ticker symbol. So a fun way to close. And I'm delighted, guys, that you tied each other. Therefore, there doesn't need to be one-way trash talk, and we'll have to have you both on sometime later again to enrich our market cap game show experience. I really want to thank Rick Munars and Tim Byers for your time, your good cheer, and your smarts this week on the market cap game show. Thanks, David. Awesome, David. Thank you. And again, thanks to my players, Rick Munares and Tim Byers. Rick scored five. Tim scored five. But we three are wondering, what did you score? What did your friend right alongside at your elbow score or your 10-year-old daughter score? This game is for you. And we have fun playing it four times a year. I hope you enjoyed it and appreciated Adam Nelson's wonderful rules tweak, which I sure had fun with. And I suspect that will be the standard of the game going forward. So again, thank you to Adam I also enjoyed Tim's basketball analogies. I didn't know he was that big a fan, and he was bringing the March Madness analogies throughout. A quick reminder before I go, Rule Breaker Investing Mailbag, next week's show, so rbi at fool.com is the mailing address. In the meantime, hey, keep studying up and learning your market caps. Fool on. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.